It's good to uh, be back in your, the Lord's house today and just worshiping with you. Uh, it's amazing how quickly uh, you forget what it's like to just be able to worship together with God's people and, uh, and you know how refreshing that is. Well, we've been, um, I've been <coughs> thinking a lot about this text. <laughs> and uh, in James chapter 1, we've been looking at trials. And, um, you know, it's interesting. You start preaching on something, and all of a sudden you go through it. <laughs> so uh, beware. <laughs> uh, beware of that. But uh, we're going to be looking at um, chapter 1 of James. And, and he's been talking about how, um, trials are going to happen. You know, trials in your life are something that you should expect. I don't know that uh, it's not that you look forward to them, but he's just saying that, um, that when those do happen, just remember that God has designed them for a reason and that uh, God has a purpose in mind for each of us. So I think as Christians, sometimes we think, well, if I'm a Christian, I should have a little bit of exempt. I should have an exemption, but that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know any Christian that I've ever talked to who said, well, you know, I got, when I got saved, I got an exemption from all the suffering and all the trials and difficulties. And I'm going like, well, uh, if that were the case, I would question, okay, where in the Bible does it teach that? Because <laughs> certainly James is not uh, advocating that. But one of the things that I, that I guess the trials that James is talking about is he's saying that when we do enter them, we tend to be confused. And because we're confused, we pray for wisdom. And in praying for wisdom, then guess where God leads us? He leads us right to the scriptures. And it's interesting that that's the next section. You know, he basically says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then he begins to talk about how we are to hear the word of God. And so I was thinking about this text as it relates to uh, how important is the word of God to us? And how does God use his word in our trials to help us to grow? And, and so I kind of entitled this three keys to spiritual growth during trials. <laughs> uh, but I do have three, three easy things to remember. And the, 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 my three points are this. Listen learn, and then obey. Those are the three points. If, if, you, if you don't get anything else out of the, the you know, those three points, this, this kind of, he's summarizing, if you, and if you think about it, uh, about the rhythms that the scripture teaches all through the Old and New Testament, those three things always jump out uh, at us. Listen, uh, learn, and obey. And so let's uh, look over to text, uh, at the text in uh, James chapter 1 and verse 19, and let's see what the Lord has for us this morning, because uh, I believe these are things that uh, God's been teaching me throughout the years, and I still have a few years left, and uh, he, I'm still learning. So, you know, this is not like I've got this together, but certainly he's been teaching me these things, and, uh, and I know that he's taught a lot of other Christians the same thing. But notice this, beginning with verse 19, hear the word of the Lord as uh, he speaks to us from this verse. Know this, my beloved brothers, so he's talking to Christians, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, 
which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And remember uh, verse 12 of the, earlier in this chapter, he says, blessed is the one who endures. It's that word persevere, endures. So he's tying verse 12 and verse 18, being born again by the word, and he's tying that section to this section and saying, well, one of the first things that God will do in your trials is he wants you to hear what God wants us to hear from his word. And it's not that he just wants us to hear it, but he wants to implant that word in us. In other words, he wants it to enflesh us. He wants, he's trying to do something. Because I often wonder, well, why am I going through this and why is it such a long trial? And God is trying to, God, through his spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is, if you, could, if you could think of it, he's implanting more and more the life of Christ in you. That, so, so the implanted word is actually the life of Christ being implanted in you by the Holy Spirit. And so the more that, that, the more that God's will becomes your will, the more in which your life reflects Jesus Christ. And, what are, and when you look at Christ, what's the one thing that people, you always notice people flocking around Jesus. Do you wonder why? He was quick to hear. <laughs> He was a good listener, right? I mean, think about the people that you share things with are usually good listeners, right? Those are the people that they don't necessarily talk a lot, but they really do listen and they give advice, but they do it sometimes um, uh, with some, they don't do it. They're not always quick to do that. But uh, let's look at these three keys that he talks about. Listen, learn, and obey. And before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and Lord, we need it. We need, uh, we need to be reminded of how, how much you want that word to grow uh, in us so that we might be changed from one stage of glory to another and that we might reflect more and more the image of Christ in our lives. Lord, you know each need here this morning. Father, we are needy as a nation. We need revival. Uh, we're needy individually. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us. Uh, Father, to direct us and to teach us your ways. Uh, Father, we need your presence. Uh, Father, to uh, heal the sick and to, uh, to uh, uh, heal the wounded and to uh, lift up those who are downtrodden. Uh, Father, we need your wisdom that we might walk in ways that would please you. Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to uh, awaken each of our hearts into a deeper realization of how much you love us and how much, Lord, your, your word has been given to us to sweeten, uh, to renew, and to guide our lives in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, we love you, we adore you, we magnify your holy name, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first key he talks about is listening. And I, I thought about this, and it was just like, well, you know, one of the things that uh, as you're going through a trial is just basically we have to get, what is it that God is wanting to teach us in that trial? 
And he's saying, know this or get this. It's kind of like saying, this is really important, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to react. You kind of get a, he's kind of getting us into that kind of a, to think about when we're going through a trial, what's the first thing, what's the first reaction we typically have when we're going through a trial? Um, I know that in the past, uh, now this is the the older days, um, pick up the phone and talk to somebody. I don't know what's going on, but I really need help. And, that, and a lot of times that's to ask for prayer. But what James is saying is that we need before we speak and even before we get upset and angry at whatever's going on in our lives. And I'll, I'll have to admit that sometimes when we're going through trials, we get frustrated not only with ourselves, but even with others and sometimes and I'll have to admit, like Jonah, we get, we get angry at God, right? Why is God allowing this? Why is God doing this? And, and so he's saying, well, one of the things to do is God's wisdom plan, if you will. He's tying wisdom to the word of God. So what's God doing? The first thing he wants us to do is listen. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what God is saying through his word. Don't, don't immediately react to what the Bible's saying, but more or less listen to what God is saying by his spirit through his word, because God's always speaking. Uh, Psalm 119, if you, just, if you read Psalm 119, it'll take you a while. It's 175 verses, okay? So it's going to take you a while. But, but if you read that, it's an I, you, me. It's a dialogue between a person who's reading the word, and he's saying, Lord, open my eyes that I behold wonderful things from your law. He's, he's reading the word, but then he's praying. He's, if you could think of it as breathing, how many of us this morning had to think about our breathing? But we inhale, right? We inhale oxygen and what else? We exhale. But think about your relationship to the Word of God. We inhale the Word of God, and how do we exhale it? In prayer. Think about that. Could you live without physical air? You couldn't. Can we live without spiritual air? We inhale the word of God, if you will. So, so it's kind of like this rhythm that God has in, in his word. And he's saying, as, you, as the word of God comes in, then we are, to, we are to cry out to God. Lord, teach me, guide me, help me, show me. Um, uh, what is it that God is doing? What are you doing in my life? How are you wanting me to become more like Christ in this moment, in this situation? And in this particular instance. And so there's, that, there's that, that dialogue that God wants to have with you and me. A lot of times that's, that, that's the biggest benefit, I think, of trials. Is to draw us closer to the Lord. Um, I don't know, a lot of times, uh, you know, as I'm going through a trial, I'll talk to someone who's, back, who's an older Christian. Although now I'm becoming one of the older ones. Uh, and, and they'll say to me, uh, you know... I don't know why God brought this trial, but you know, I've really grown close to the Lord in this trial. So what's he saying? The benefit sometimes of the trial is that it deepens our relationship with God. Um, now, if I, if I were to, um, this is really, I think teenagers are really good at this. When they hear a tune, what are they, in a, a particular song, do they usually know who wrote the song and they know some of the words, right? I mean, we probably remember a lot of the 60s songs, right? <laughs> uh, if, if, if we have them too, I, 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 get embar- I, get, uh, I get intrigued in a way. Uh, Chris knows a lot of 50s songs because when she was growing up, her mom and dad listened to the 50s songs. 
And so, uh, if, you know, we, have a seri- we did have Sirius Radio, and I'd turn it to the 50s station, and she'd hear a song, and she would, she'd say, oh, that's by so-and-so, and this is the name of the song, and then she would say, and then she'd start singing some of the song, and I'd go like, where did you learn that? And she says, well, I heard it when mom and dad were, you know, when I was growing up. But wouldn't that be amazing that as we go through trials that we hear that same music and we identify the voice of God in that trial? That we're quick to hear, we're slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because you know when you get angry, what happens? Do you ever hear an angry person ever listen? <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's like, what did you say? Well, if you just stop talking, you might, get a, you might understand and you might hear what I'm gotten to say here. Uh, but usually with, with anger, usually uh, an anger, a person who's angry usually isn't ready to listen to what anyone's saying, much less what God's saying. And so James is, James is saying, you know, one of the first things that you do in, as you're going through a trial is say, Lord, help me to listen. What is it you're saying to me? What, what is it you want me to see in your word? Uh, wh- how is this trial, how do you want to use this trial in my life to deepen my own walk and relationship with him? And so you see that, you see that in the first uh, section. But notice he, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to verse uh, 21. Notice, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So, so here's the second thing he says. The second key here is basically he's saying, now the second thing we need to do is learn. Learn what? We, we have to learn the pattern that God has designed in his word for us to grow. What is the pattern of growth that God wants us to see here? There's kind of, a, you'll know when I, when I say this, repentance and faith, right? Put off, put on. Put off, put on. It's kind of like clothing. Uh, you, you, you put that off and you put on this. And he's, he's kind of wanting you to, th- to think about this whole, this whole concept is how, how God changes us as Christians. Um, remember Ephesians 4.22, he says, put off. Uh, he says, we are to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And it's corrupt through deceitful desires and put on the new self which was renewed in knowledge. I used to ask myself, what in the world is he talking about? But think about it. God gives us new life through faith in Christ, right? And he's saying, now take off those old shabby, sinful clothes of the past, those sin- all the things of the past. So as a Christian, guess what? He's saying, walk in a manner worthy of your calling, Take off the shabby clothes. Now, this is not a shabby jacket, okay? But I'm going to take this off because I'm warm. Okay, so, so I'm taking off the shabby clothes and what? And as I take off the shabby clothes, I'm supposed to then receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word. Um, I don't know if you noticed uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think it was a couple weeks. You remember uh, Prince? I, I follow this because I'm kind of interested in royalty, I guess. Is... Uh, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, what is it, Charles, uh, Prince Charles, uh, he was having an interview, and uh, one of the cameramen got a close-up. He had his legs crossed or something, close-up on his foot, and there was this big hole in his sock. And you can imagine the citizens of England going, oh, I can't believe 
that's not, that's, I can't believe our king, our, our future king, who's going to be coronated as the king of England, can't even buy a new pair of socks. See, you see, it doesn't fit, does it? And that's what he's saying as a Christian. What happens is when God saves us by his word, in verse 18, it says that he, he gave us new birth by his word. Then that same word then says, guess what? Take off the shabby clothes. Uh, King Charles, you don't need to wear holes in your socks. I mean, that's a little embarrassing for him, but it's also embarrassing to who? His, you know, all the citizens and, you know, uh, of his kingdom. But, but so, so here's these two commands, this pattern that, that we see in Scripture is God saying, get rid of this and put on this. And, and that, that's kind of a, a, a pattern you're going to see in Scripture. You'll see it in Colossians chapter 3, verse, verse 5. It says, put off, uh, you know, he says, put off coveting and put off this. And then he says, put on Christ, who's compassion. Put on love and put on uh, humility. And uh, he's saying, just get rid of the shabby clothes. But, but actually, this word is, uh, it's, it's interesting, this word has even a, even a more, I'd say it's a more clear application. It's actually one of the words, the word get rid of is actually taken from a word that means get the wax out of your ears. Now, we understand that, right? I remember my mom and dad, they'd say, uh, I'd say, what did you say? They'd say, get the wax out of your ears and listen, son. <laughs> and it's like, I was listening. No, you weren't. You weren't paying attention. And isn't that funny that God would, in a sense, is kind of like saying, when I'm speaking, just remember, you got you to gotta really listen. And, you got, and when you listen, that means you're paying attention to what's being said um, and what God is wanting to do through the word. Uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 if you have, a, have your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe, is a really good verse to help us kind of... Um, it's one of those verses that, you know, you, you ask the question in verse 4, is that God's given us the Word of God, and the Word of God is a weapon. And he says that in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So he's, not, he's talking about the gospel in your life. So the gospel and the Word of God has, a, has the power to destroy strongholds. Where do you think the strongholds are? Well, Satan, that's a stronghold. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But what about the flesh? How hard is it to, to, to see strongholds in our own life? Lord, I know what you say, but that's a stronghold, right? So one of the things that Scripture's always doing is, so the Bible's always trying, his change always operates from inside out. It's to help us to identify the strongholds in our life. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more strongholds I'm starting to see that I didn't see before. Lord, I, I didn't see that I was, had a stubbornness about me. <laughs> Lord, I, I didn't see... Uh, I didn't even, you know, have, have you ever noticed that sometimes we get, we get angry easily? Do we, under, do we even know why we get angry so quickly? That's a stronghold. And what happens in a stronghold, and uh, pardon me for doing this, but I have to. Uh, the reason that there's a stronghold there, the, the scriptures is to help us 
see and identify strongholds in our life. This is the way I always, this is the way it should always be done. That's a stronghold. That means my opinion's more important than anybody else's. That's a stronghold. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of little, there, there, there's a lot of, in other words, how can I, uh, you notice people that are more compassionate are usually people who have gone through struggles. You know, a person who's, uh, somebody's fresh out of seminary, and they think, okay, I've got, I'm just going to give people the word. They've not gone through any trials, no struggles, no difficulty, and guess what? They just think that it's just all merely word-oriented, right? And you're going like you're preaching to people who've gone through struggles. And guess what? Those struggles teach us a lot about having compassion, being understanding, uh, coming alongside. Those are all things that the Spirit teaches us through trials. I want to be around somebody that's gone through. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a foxhole with somebody that's, that doesn't know, that's never been in a battle. <laughs> I, mean, I want to be somebody that, I want to be there with somebody that, that does and who understands that. But notice that there's a second part of this, okay? So one side of it is putting off the shabby clothes. Uh, in other words, the things, the habits of the old life have to be put off. How hard is it for us to change a habit? Any habits you have that, yeah. uh, Lord, this is the thousandth time that I have to, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, you know, I react and it's like, oh, no, I did it again. But then notice, receive with meekness the implanted word. And I was just really struggling with what, what's an implanted word. That's when God, the external word that's being preached is beginning to work its way down into your life right? What brings you the most comfort in your trials? Isn't it the Word of God? Thy Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Uh, your Word, um, you know, the psalmist there, uh, through the psalms, you see that it's, it's almost like there's this connection as he's breathing in the Word. It's, it's, it's dealing with, he's usually going through, his enemies are forsaking him or t are, are rejecting him. He's going through some some, some difficulty in his life, and, and that difficulty plus the word does what? Lord, you are the rock of my salvation. You are the foundation upon which my life stands. It's, not, it's nothing about me. It's, it's all about what God's doing to give me an assurance that whatever he's doing, it's always going to be for my good. And isn't that good to know that God's always out for your good? And, and that's receiving with meekness. In other words, receiving with meekness is just have a teachability. Uh, don't be ready to, to say, well, yeah, I know what it says, but, you know, I, I really don't believe that um, I need that. I need to do that. Uh, John Piper says this, if you decide you do not need to receive the external word, you're like a person who decides they don't need to breathe. <laughs> Uh, that would be pretty amazing. But I think James has hit on it, right? He's saying receive with meekness uh, the engrafted word. Um, you, know, uh, you know, implants, we know that people are, are constantly, what? There's implants. What are, what's some implants that people, uh, I had a lady in our church uh, in, in, at Covenant. Um, I didn't realize it. I thought she could hear, but she actually read my lips during the message. I, I thought... So one day, uh, she had a, had, a, uh, had a surgery, and she got a cochlear implant. 
And, and, I could, and the, the smile on her face when she could hear the word, she actually hear my voice. <laughs> and, uh, and it was amazing the, the, the change that took place. But, but isn't that really what James is saying, that God takes the word and he implants it? It becomes a part of you. Um, and uh, it, becomes, it becomes such a part of you that, that all of a sudden, that, you know, there, you're, it's almost as if God's will, God's desire is that his will will be your will. Because that's what I pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I usually go on and say, Lord, that your will would be my will today. <laughs> that I'll want that. That I'll delight in that. See, that's, that's the real freedom because when, God, when, God, when that happens in, our, in us and we're saying, Lord, I, I don't have to be in a hurry. I can, just, I, can, I can learn to trust you. And all of a sudden, his will becomes something that I enjoy because, you know, when God gives us freedom from knowing his will, guess what happens? I can relax. It's not all on me. It's on God. He's sovereign. He's the Almighty. It's through his word that I was born again. Guess what? It's through his word that he changes me. And it's that word that, that uh, he's talking about here. So, so okay, we said listen and learn. So what, what is the other third part is obey the orders. In other words, God has spoken. And then it says take heed. And notice verse 22. He says something else. He says don't be deceived. I'll go back to James chapter 1 there, verse 21. It says, and don't be deceived. Why, why is it he, say, he says don't be deceived? I think that one of the reasons is that we tend to think that hearing the word of God is sufficient. But think about it. When you come to hear the word of God, and here back then they didn't have a word of God to be. But think about it. You could think of this text in this way. When I come to hear the word of God, how do I prepare to hear? While the word of God is being preached, what should I do? Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Uh, ready to say, Lord, where are areas of my life that I need to change? After the word's preached, what do I do? I go out from here and say, Lord, how can I obey that word? You could, you could, you could almost take the text in that order. But notice he's saying, don't be deceived. And don't be deceived because don't, he's saying, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So he's just saying that there's a deception that takes place a lot of times. And, and he even uses this example, next, the next example he uses is that the word of God is like a mirror. Now, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? <laughs> All the women do, and the men say, well, I thought I did. I shaved. Um, I, uh, you know, I did, I, you know, I, I remember um, in Chicago, I was working downtown uh, uh, Jackson LaSalle, right downtown, and... Uh, I remember I had this nice blue pinstripe ja uh, jacket on, and, uh, and I was getting ready for work. I'd forgotten that I'd put a different color of pants on. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I pulled the right matching. I had a brown pinstripe pair of pants on and a blue pinstripe uh, jacket on. And I'm rushing out of the house because I'm late. I have, to run, I have to walk to the train station, jump on the L, run, go all the way downtown, 35 minutes, stand most of the way. And then I'm walking on LaSalle Street, getting ready to go to work. And I look down and I, oh, no, I can't believe 
I mean, all those people that saw me, they wondered, thought, where in the world did this guy dress? Who dressed him? And I, so I took the jacket off, kind of folded it up under my hand and walked on to work thinking like, now what do I do once I get into work? You know, it's kind of like, oh, sheesh. I, I had looked in the mirror and it looked okay, but it didn't look very close, okay? So here's a person, they look in the mirror, the word of God, they, they see what God says about who they, you know, the Bible describes me, and then all of a sudden he goes away and he forgets what manner. What, in other words, you look in, the mirror tells you to do something. Fix your hair, put on some makeup, uh, shave your, your beard, shave your head, if there's any, <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, in other words, he's saying that don't just be a hearer, Go ahead and correct what God shows you in your life that needs to be changed. That's taken up pretty seriously, isn't it? <laughs> but but it's, uh, it's amazing what, what uh, so what does the world do? The world says, I don't like the mirror, what it shows me about myself. So what, uh, we live in a society today that does what? They take the law out of the courts. Why? Because the light shines in darkness and the darkness hates the light. They hate the mirror. But as a Christian, as I look into the word of God, it describes me. It describes who God is. It describes how needy I am and how wonderful the gospel is that God provides a way of salvation that's free. <laughs> you know, so, so, so what's God doing? Change comes this way is that God shows you your sin, but he doesn't show you your sin to beat you up. He shows you your sin so you can say, Lord, I need help. I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. And oh, what a wonderful cross it is that all my sins have been what? Washed away in the blood of Christ. And all of a sudden, the gospel becomes rich. It begins to, God's word and his presence flows through you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's jumping up and down for joy. When God brings us to the gospel, and that, you know, sometimes he brings us to the gospel and we just cry. And sometimes he brings us to the gospel and we just rejoice. And sometimes he brings us to the gospel in those moments we just start clapping and rejoicing, sometimes jumping up and down. I mean, everybody's reaction is going to be different, right? I mean, there's a couple of songs that I hear that every time I hear them, it just brings tears. I just start weeping. And you say, why are you weeping? Well, I'm, it's weeping for joy. That I have a rich and wonderful Savior who's just filled with mercy and grace. And so what James is saying, he's not saying this to say, ah, you need to be obedient to the word because if you're not, boy, God's going to really get you. Don't, don't we think that sometimes that's the way we read the Bible? We read the Bible thinking that if I don't do this, God's going to really, really be on my case this week. That's not what James is saying. He said, as you read the word, look for Jesus in the scriptures because the Holy Spirit is really given to you to help you see Christ in the word of God. Um, I mean, this is, I tell you, brothers and sisters, this will bring, this brings the kind of independence or the kind of, I would say independence, the kind of freedom in your Christian life that makes everything else fade away in the, in the, in the backdrop. In other words, all of a sudden, the, the Bible, you know, when you read, you know, you read the law of God and you say, what is that? That's a picture of Jesus. And guess what? You know, there's nothing more wonderful than for a man and a wife who are faithful to each other in marriage. You talking about freedom? <laughs> Or, or like a son or a daughter who obeys their parents. Guess what freedom they have in that relationship, right? 
I mean, think about it. If, you, uh, if, if, you know, as a parent, if you have a child, and I've had five of them, um, but let's just say one of your children says they're going to be somewhere and they're not, and they're somewhere else. How much freedom does that give you to trust them? <laughs> you have, you're going, like, man, I, I don't know. They said this last time, and they weren't there, and they said it again, and they didn't do it. I'm not sure I can trust them. And all of a sudden, they don't have any freedom. But you don't either, right? Because you all the time, all of a sudden, you have to start checking. Uh, you call the one of their friends. Is so-and-so there? They were supposed to be there, and they weren't. What's happened? You're saying, well, you know, you've you got so many rules in this family. Yeah, and I, I just can't live here anymore. I'm leaving. And you're going like, well, wait there. Now, let's stop a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's rules. But guess what? Those rules actually are for your good. They give you freedom. See, because if I can trust you and you can trust me, guess what? I'll give you the keys to my, my newer car the next time. <laughs> uh, in other words, there, a trust relationship brings what? It brings out, the, uh, it gives us freedom, but it does something else, is that God's design for us is that we might enjoy what it really means to be human. God wants us to enjoy him, Right? In this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And in bearing that fruit, he says, I want your joy to be full. Our Christian life is to be filled with joy. Not because everything, I get everything I want. But what happens is that when God's fulfilling the design that he has for you in your life, guess what? You're happy. I mean, think about it. Uh, Danny, I know, likes to fish. <laughs> I'm going to pick on you a little bit there. Okay, so think about this. Uh, you take a fish out of water. Does it have freedom? In fact, if you leave it out of water, it's going to die. <laughs> right? Uh, sorry, Allison. <laughs> okay, so, okay. Now, that fish has freedom as long as it's where? In the water. That's a restriction. That's a good restriction, right? So think about us as, as, as God's people. We have freedom because God's designed us. But guess what? He's designed us to live in the freedom of his word. Those are restrictions, but those restrictions are, you know, the psalmist says, broad is thy commandments. He said, I will run in the way of your commandments if you enlarge my heart. I, I believe that that just means that, you know, the more we we are w walking according to God's design, the more we enjoy what it means to be a Christian. And, and I, so I get excited about a text like this because that's God's, God's design for us and God's pro the process of sanctification is not, boy, I just want to try harder. I know I blew it the last time. I guess I'll try again. No, because we're always going to be growing. We're never going to be sinless, but we will what? We'll grow more and more in our obedience. And the obedience is this, it's that we learn that there's one place where we can get a true picture of ourselves and at the same time find the forgiveness that God's purchased for us in his son, Jesus Christ. I, I, I think that's the beautiful thing about this text that, uh, I don't know, this week it just kind of more and more dawned on me how much freedom that we really have because that's really how he ends the text, isn't it? Notice back in uh, the end of the text, it says this. 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the, no, what, what it calls the perfect law, the law of liberty, and endures or perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And uh, may God grant us that uh, as we hear the word that he would then implant that word and then the fruit of that. Notice, uh, remember, you know, Jesus said this. Um, he said that, um, he said that the word of God, he, remember when he was going the par to teaching the parables, he said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Remember that? And then he says this, he said in uh, Matthew chapter 7, he says, he says, uh, he says, the, the, the wise man built his house upon what? A rock. And the rains came down. Now we know that, right? We talked to the kids. And the floods came up. And the house on the rock, what? Stood firm. But then the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And he said, the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand, it just flopped. It just smashed. And he says, so it is for those, he said, basically, he basically says, the wise man hears the word of God and obeys it. And I think, you know, teachability and just God saying, Lord, I just want to be, I just want to become more and more obedient to the word. And that's going to be a lifelong process. And my trials, uh, as, as, as they unfold before me, and I, I realize that, Lord, I, uh, I still have a long ways to go, that God continues to work on us. Why? Because he's a God of grace. And his Holy Spirit never gives up. See, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? God never gives up on us. And that's grace. That's, that's the beauty of, of being a child of God. He's not saying do this to become a child of God. He's saying do this because you are a child of God. There's a big difference, right? Because if I'm doing it to become a child of God, guess what? I'm saying that my salvation is based on works. But if I'm saying I'm doing it because I am a child of God and we're saying, Lord, and I do it imperfectly, by the way. I mean, whoever says that we do anything perfectly, we do it imperfectly. But God plants his word in our hearts and uh, he's the one that changes us. And so let's pray. Father, I just would pray that that word would uh, dwell deeply in us. And, and Father, as we grow in understanding it, that we would become more and more tuned to it. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would, would teach us your ways. And, Lord, that uh, more and more that we would uh, walk uh, in, the, in the, the fullness of your Holy Spirit, uh, that we would listen to your voice, Lord. And uh, you want us to be filled with all the fullness of God. And, and certainly, Lord, uh, uh, that just means your will becomes more and more uh, predominant in our thinking and in our living and our thinking and our, our praying. Lord, just give you thanks for each one here today, and we ask that you would uh, just be continue to change us, Lord. Help us to grow in love for you. But, Father, it's exciting to know that, um, that uh, we, uh, Father, have one glorious future, and that future is with you. And even so, come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly, we pray in his name. Amen.